Wir gehen es Ihnen und was ist los? It's deinen Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh, German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name. Actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Listen. What is up, Super Nintendos? It's Nintendo Voice Chat Podcast, episode 581. I am your host, Seth Macy. I am joined here today by Taylor Lyles. Hello. Herr Schneider. What's up, Seth? And industry legend, Cat Bailey. Hello. Now, I have a quick housekeeping note because some people didn't see the memo or didn't see the tweet, but Casey has a new schedule. She is no longer the host of this great podcast, which is a bummer, I know. But that doesn't mean that Casey's like not going to be on the show. We're going to have Casey on the show because we love her and everyone else loves her too. 
but we will be adding some new segments, some of which are going to stick, some of which won't. And I'm sure you'll let us know what you think either way in the comments or on Twitter or uh, in our Facebook group. We're also going to be having a shape-shifting fourth chair this week. The shape it has assumed is that of Taylor Lyles. Thank you, uh, Taylor. Uh, you might you know, recognize you're a Taylor. shapeshifter, Taylor. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. it's part of my. Yeah, she's yeah, legitimately amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am a jack of all trades, a master of none. But in retrospect, <laughs> I would, I look, I would be rather be good at a lot of things than be a, a, a master at one thing. So that is true. Add that to your large number of skills, Taylor. Shapeshifting. Yeah. <laughs> I will. Yeah, and Taylor, just not to not to worry you, but there appears to be lava in your microphone. Just <laughs> it's really cool. That's where she gets her power, actually. But, uh... Yeah, my shape shifting power is actually just like in this mic. Nice. <laughs> it's a magic mic. Um, we are going to have more opportunities for more Nintendo guests, uh, either from like the Nintendo community at large or from inside the industry. Cat and Pear, both excellent interviewers. I am a, uh, a bumbling buffoon, so while I'm watching like every Nardwar uh, video to get my chops up, they will be, you know, taking over, and and we're gonna be having interviews, and they're gonna be awesome and and hopefully, you know, really informative for people. But most of all, I just want to say how excited I am to have this podcast team together, and I can say confidently that NBC is and remains the best Nintendo podcast around. Now, now that we've gotten the housekeeping out of the way, let's get right into the rage. Boy, oh boy, there was an Animal Crossing dis, uh, Direct today, and they snuck in some pricing there for the, uh, for the new tier of Nintendo's online service. People are real, real mad. I would go so far as to say that that minute of the, um, the Direct completely overshadowed the entire wholesome goodness that we got with Animal Crossing. <laughs> but basically, um, the new tier pricing was announced that has the Nintendo 64 online games, the Sega Genesis games online, and surprise, You'll be able to get the new Animal Crossing DLC if you sign up for this $49.99 a year upgrade to the existing $20 a year. And that's just the single price. For a family, it is, I believe, $79.99. I ran a Twitter poll on uh, Twitter.com. That's a website. And 39% of people said, yeah, I'll pay that. And 61% of people said, no, they will so not. So hold on though, it's not the total cost of the subscription is fifty bucks, right? So it went from it went up by thirty bucks, right? right. Which is yes. significantly what, more than I think anybody that's right. was anticipating. While we didn't, I didn't anticipate that we'd get free DLC. I also didn't expect it to be this much. Are they seriously charging an extra twenty bucks, uh, an extra twenty bucks a year, so that you can get N sixty four games and Sega Genesis games? Is that what it comes down to? It's exactly what it comes down to. And plus the Animal Crossing expansion. Hey, Animal Crossing expansion. But like, uh, let's see here. Uh, so a lot of people on Twitter actually said, like, I don't play Animal Crossing, so it's cool for people who do. But like, I couldn't care less. Damon, I was just talking to him, and he's like, I don't play Animal Crossing. Why would I? Yep. Why would I want this? But uh, at Hold Squat said, if Voice Chat was integrated better to make it more like PlayStation or Xbox's online service services, sure, I would pay fifty dollars a year. Don't need to include messaging and other features like those services, but $50 for games I'll barely play or already owned from before. No thanks. Kyle R30 yeah. said a lot of gamers, including myself, already pay this for PlayStation or Xbox, so that's an easy yeah, especially if it includes the N64 expansion. And finally, Derek Duncan said it's going to need more. Maybe a Game Pass-like edition with some first-party games for free. Now, 
I would like to ask the panel's thoughts. Cat. Well, I, like I think you have to think about this, or rather, say. <laughs> here's what I think about this. I think Nintendo has put itself in a position where people are going to naturally compare the value add that, uh, for example, Xbox uh, Live and PlayStation Plus have to offer. And I think that Nintendo Switch Online has been consistently wanting in that regard. I mean, if you look back at what there are, people were complaining about the the previous version of Nintendo Switch Online. They're like, mm -hmm. not enough content, not enough updates for NES and the SNES games. It's not the actual online features are consistently kind of problematic. A lot of the first party games uh, online see Smash Brothers Ultimate. Their online play is not great. So to for Nintendo to make such a giant leap in terms of actual pricing for this expansion pack, well, I mean, okay, you can debate whether or not Animal Crossing plus Sega Genesis plus N64 is a minimal ad. Um, Emily Rogers, who has been, I guess you could say an insider over the years, said that a lot of that is to do with the licensing costs, especially for the Sega Genesis, which I totally believe. Mm. Um, I'm personally very excited about the idea of being able to play N64 games and Sega Genesis games for you know more money per year. And I am also an Animal Crossing player, but it is targeted very narrowly me and even i'm kind of like wow okay i was not expecting it to jump that much it's kind of wild it feels a little haphazard in some ways in terms of how nintendo is handling this like they're trying to get as many people as possible onto this digital plan but didn't reckon with how much money they were going to have to charge per year to be able to uh make them the numbers work so I don't know. Like, I think a lot of people are kind of going, are kind of like side-eyeing this, uh, this rather large increase in money and going, so what's the value? What's the value add? And I don't think Nintendo's been able to answer that. Yeah, they were, they were a little bit, uh, I say a little bit quiet. They just told us that and they haven't told us anything else. And now there's a lot of people wondering like, well, does this mean that we're going to get future DLCs? Because if that's the case, a lot of people are more willing to sign on if this means in the future we're going to get, but we don't know. We just know. Yeah, Nintendo's being... Nintendo good to Nintendo in terms of kind of obfuscating that kind of stuff. So you can just, you have to take it on faith. And in the past, when we've taken Nintendo on faith, it hasn't worked out as well as we would like. Right. I made the joke uh, that if we do sign up and they lower the price, that hopefully means we get Ambassador Program 2.0 and we get all those free uh, NES games. Mm -hmm. But uh, Pear, what do you think about today's announcement? I was expecting them to add 20 bucks to the total subscription cost. So to go to 40 bucks a year and then, you know, announce additional stuff like GBA games in addition to the, the N64 games they already announced. So I was surprised that they went with the extra 10 bucks. So now as somebody who plays Animal Crossing and would have bought the subscription anyway, the upgrade's fine with me, right? Like it's not, it, it, it it's, the promise of playing N64 games and then getting this DLC included that works for me. Um, but yeah, if you compare it to the comp competition, what you're getting with Xbox Live uh, Gold and you know PS Plus, which are now very similarly priced, is uh, you're getting almost full retail games yeah. every month added to the service, right? Whereas like here, you're relying on games that have come out uh, uh, <laughs> more than 20 years, years ago, ago, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's pretty nuts. And then, you know, I have the family plan. Uh, all three kids get the the subscription benefits. Um, it used to be thirty four ninety nine. Now it goes to seventy nine ninety nine. So we get double priced on that one. Which, when you break it down by four people, that's fine. Sure. Um, in the end, 
you know, what's the difference between a 40 bucks plan and a 50 bucks plan where it's 83 cents a month. So it's not a big deal if you think about the money, but there is something to be said about the competitive comparison. And yeah, Nintendo Switch Online does not have, you know, the the sort of um, great integration of a voice chat and, uh, and, and lobbies and matchmaking, all of that stuff that we're used to from other online services. So I'm hoping they add a little bit more value over time. Yeah, um, I just wanted to point out that uh, everyone likes to mention that they don't have voice chat, but personally... I never use voice chat anyway, so it doesn't bother me. <laughs> I go on Discord, honestly. <laughs> I'm on yeah. Discord with my friends. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Taylor, yeah. you gonna be you gonna be signing up for this? You gonna be subscribing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, <laughs> like, look, I'm not gonna lie. When I heard they said how much it was gonna cost, like a year, I was like, huh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. But then when I then when I when I thought about, oh, okay, we're getting N64 games, we're getting Genesis games. And then on top of that, it's like I was already gonna shell out money for that paid DLC for Animal Crossing because I have over 400 hours in New Horizons now, and I'll probably oh. dunk another 400 hours once all that new content drops. But yeah, I, I mean, for me, it makes sense because you know it has all that stuff, and then the Animal Crossing thing was like an extra incentive. But you know, I I can't see this being for everyone. So like, if someone's saying like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna get this so I can play like like one N64 game. I don't know. I don't feel like you're getting a lot of bang for the buck, but I can see why some people uh, would feel this is highway robbery in a sense. But for <laughs> me, I am the target demographic, so uh, I'm not going to hesitate. As soon as they're like, yeah, you know, it's ready. I'm like, okay, cool. Let me upgrade right now. <laughs> some major sticker shock. I think that I was kind of hoping that they would come through with the, the Game Boy announcements because I think we're all kind of waiting for that because that has been heavily rumored for some time now. So I'm fairly surprised that they announced the price and the release date, but they didn't announce any other additional content. So I think it's on Nintendo to prove to people the the value on this. It would be nice if, for example, Pokemon Home were included in this particular deal. The fact that I'm paying separately for that is kind of wild to me. You just reminded me I'm still paying for that. And I that was like five (laughs) years ago. Anyway, I'm sorry. (laughs) And then they've been so inconsistent with the releases for... Uh, Super Nintendo and Nintendo, oh, and man. the games have been getting just worse and worse and worse. <laughs> I think that they really need to be a lot more aggressive with the releases for Sega Genesis and Nintendo 64, and it needs to stop being so random. It needs to be on a much more defined schedule. I mean, with Xbox uh, Live, or sorry, with Game Pass, we have a pretty good idea of when games are going in and going out on a regular basis. Nintendo will just be like one day randomly, yeah, we got uh, three new games. Here they are. By the way, they're not Earthbound, so don't oh. bother asking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's 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 interesting, right? They they they're taking the model of uh, you know something like a Disney Plus, where like you could go a week without anything significant added, and then they have a big show or or big uh, tentpole. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it works in gaming because the competition has established this monthly cadence of you know every month it's like an advent calendar, right? You get a little <laughs> surprise, and you're happy, mm-hmm. and you're coming back, and uh, they started with Super NES games. Remember NES games, Super NES games. They started with that cadence, and then they just went like, nah, "We ran out of stuff, so don't worry about it. We'll add something in the future." And they they're about to do it again. And I think that's a huge mistake. And the trailer had a little hint in it. They're like, "Oh, and expect more N64 games." 
while they're showing us win back. And it's like, all right, well, <laughs> establish a, a plan, like show us a schedule that we can look forward to. And not only that, but they put out these free games like Mario 35 that are, you know, I think free to Nintendo Switch Online players. And then they take them away. Right. And it's just like going, oh, OK, thanks, Nintendo. Why did you take that away? It was really catching on with the speedrunning community in particular. And there are still just some really baffling decisions, especially on in terms of how they handle their online service. And I get this feeling that, you know, Nintendo has already always been late to the party when it comes to online. And I just don't get the sense that they have a really clear idea or roadmap on how to actually handle this stuff. They just see it's like, well, it's making money. Uh, what kind of content can we provide? Uh, here, take some, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I have to imagine they have something waiting in the wings. And part of me is anticipating that at like uh, two this afternoon, they're just going to issue a quiet press release and tell us more about it because they'll do that and then all will be forgiven. But uh, yeah, it definitely uh, people. Uh, I'm like Taylor. I'm like, yeah, I'm buying it. I'm I'm signing right mm-hmm. up. And I didn't sure. realize that everyone else was like really mad. So it's just like, hey, it's four dollars and 17 cents. Like a I said, month. it's I in my mad. wheelhouse. Sega Genesis and 64 Animal Crossing, I'm in. Yeah. I, I don't know what would make people not upset about this plan because people are already annoyed about subscriptions, even with Xbox and PlayStation Plus, where they have a pretty defined value add and everything. Uh, people are always going to be salty about subscriptions. So even if Nintendo threw in a whole bunch of extra stuff, people would still grumble about it quite a bit. But right. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like if they were to announce like Game Boy Color games or something it, like today or something, I could still see people finding some excuse to just complain about it. So I, I, I think the fact <laughs> of the matter is, it's just like subscriptions are just not a big fan for a, it seems like a lot of people, which is understandable. I mean, you know, you're committing like on a monthly or even a year to a plan. And at some point, what you know, you, you might not like it or you might like some things about it, but it's like either not available separately or it might cost more. So it's more cost effective to just get the subscription. So I, I think, you know, I think it's just going to be one of those things where it's it really just depends on like what you need it for. And if you can see the value in it, then obviously buy in like for me example like again it like i thought it was really cost effective that they put the the dlc for animal crossing new horizons in there because i was like oh okay so i don't have to pay 25 dollars for that and then on top of that i wanted to get the expansion packs which membership anyways but now they're saying oh no you can get both of these and you just have Same. to pay one price so i was like cool i will just do that then so. <laughs> yeah that that really colored my reaction that's why i was like oh that's fine Otherwise, it would have been, ooh, 10 bucks more than I thought. But yeah, with the DLC packed in, remember, I would have had to buy the DLC at least twice. My daughter totally wants it, but right. probably for my sons too. So I'm actually saving money now with the family subscription. Oh, that's a good point. Yep. Now, a but lot of I'm, people I'm were- one of like nine people. Yeah, so that's the case, right? <laughs> a lot of people yeah. were saying, is there, does this mean that they'll have a tier where you don't have to get the DLC? And uh, no. The answer is no, they don't. They don't have. That's too sophisticated for Nintendo. Are you kidding me? (laughs) But yeah, just say Nintendo didn't Nintendo. How refreshing (laughs) will that be? But to to be fair too, Animal Crossing is one of their top sellers. And it's a a system defining game, right? Like the only one bigger is, is Mario Kart. And so I'm hoping Mario Kart is the next target for this online service that there's, you know. 
Oh my god, dream. Mario Kart 8 DLC, living the dream. Holy cow. I mean, we got we got a lot of DLC for that game in the past, but it's right. been a few years. And like, but it would be nice if the next half uh, if, if it gets like a, a a half upgrade like Animal Crossing. I mean, the announcement there was a lot of stuff added to Animal Crossing. If they could do that for Mario Kart, I think that would be a crowd pleaser for that subscription service. This year I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television. Uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with like Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Yeah. Well, let's. We should definitely talk about the animal. It was an Animal Crossing direct. It wasn't a uh, discourse direct. It was mm-hmm. uh, and make everybody mad direct. Although that's what it did. But I like it, discourse direct. That's a good. Uh, a that's a good notion. Direct, yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> they uh, there's paid DLC and there's free DLC. There's the uh, 2.0 update, which drops both of these rather drop November 5th. Uh, the free update has Brewster's Roost Coffee Shop, the return of Gyroids. Captain is back, which I am extremely excited about. So I can be like, uh, home storage is increased. That's really good, Seth. Holy cow. I, I, 
took voice lessons. Thank you. Um, there's cooking, which is my weakness. If there's cooking in a game, I will spend all of my time uh, cooking on that. What are we as a panel excited about? Taylor, I know you're on the show because you are such a, you have 400 hours of animal whoa wow <laughs> yeah i forgot the exact number i think last time i checked it was like 463 or 473 wait hours, that's not like you said 400 yeah. and that's closer that's I, you I, weren't I, rounding I, up like, almost, it's almost it's almost 500 like I, I thought if i said almost 500 maybe some people would probably look at me like mm. but i felt like if i said 400 oh that doesn't seem too bad but now that i think about it, it's like yeah it's about it's about like 460 473 hours in there and and i'm probably gonna double that once all this stuff comes hey, in i think it's awesome <laughs> you're doing what you enjoy like who, who can fault you for that but. taylor's doing what she loves playing animal crossing right exactly. <laughs> animal crossing. <laughs> but uh i'm really excited to i'm just super excited to that the cafe is back i know a lot of people are like well i don't think the cafe is ever going to come back like with and i at thought at first i was thinking the same thing too because i was like i looked at how many people's like robust islands they had i was like where the heck are they gonna put a cafe at so putting it in the museum i think makes the most sense uh i can't wait to see just like random villagers like popping in it'll be nice to see isabel actually not being stuck at resident services and you know enjoying a nice cup of joe yeah, she It'll deserves cool to, a break like, they let isabel out oh my god <laughs> i'm so happy for her she's been stuck in that office for so long <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she'll, she'll get some coffee. I'm excited uh, that we get our barista boy Brewster back. I, yeah. I, I'm excited to just invite my friends over that we can just like hang out and do coffee talks. That'd be fun. But I'm also excited to like uh, leverage those amiibo cards again because like I've, you know, aside from just like inviting them to your campsite and, you know, uh, bringing them to Harv's Island, like there wasn't really a whole lot we could really do with them outside of that. I mean, yeah, you get the posters too. That was like it. But, you know, getting to just like sit with them and be like, yeah, let's just have like a nice cup of coffee and just like chillax. That'll be fun. Like, I think that's fun. I'm so sad that they didn't let me actually build a separate building for Brewster because I would love to have a beachside coffee shop on my island. I get it. I get why they're doing it. It makes sense to just, I mean, there are plenty of coffee shops in real life museums. So, of course, like having Brewster there, but having the museum there, it's, it's a little boring to me. But the actual coffee shop concept is great. I love that they have Isabel coming in to come visit. I love that you can hang out with individual characters. They're trying to get you to buy those Animal Crossing amiibos that nobody was buying for the longest time. Uh, yeah. So yeah. yeah what? Think, well, unless you're a pair, nobody right? Nobody was buying them. No, I. I, <laughs> I regret those were on sale at my local GameStop before it closed. Rest in peace. Uh, for like three dollars each. It was, was super. Like, yeah, they they were not popular. You could tell a lot of them. Mm -hmm. A lot of them got dumped. But uh, I never, I never did the cards. I, I just, you know, I like the figurines. I never bought the cards. And obviously, card business is big business, right? Like mm -hmm. ask Pokemon and Magic the Gathering. And so, uh, you know, they, maybe, maybe they got a chance here getting getting people interested again. But I thought I was, I'm really bored by the coffee shop idea. Like it just feels like Animal Crossing. That, that, oh no, wow! It's, it's Animal Crossing that I've played before, and like sure. that, I got. You know, as someone, again, who played it since the N64, <laughs> it's kind of like this loop of rediscovering the stuff from the old game that you liked. And then there's always a tweak and an enhancement, right? And like the last New Horizon is definitely uh, is definitely the best Animal Crossing game compared to the others, like just feature wise, like just the design features you have now. And so going back to the cafe, I'm like, eh, I can't, I, I'm bored by it. It's not going to make me play it again. But then the DLC stuff, that got me. So one of the things I just transferred my island, I got the switch OLED, right? So I did the transfer stuff. Um, 
Be careful, don't lose your save. I was just going to ask, how did, that, <laughs> how did that work? Go Use the island transfer tool. It's pretty yeah. easy, but be careful. Yeah, and, and there's there. I think even if you lose your island in the transfer and overwrite the data on your card, the, 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 the data is tied to your system, so you can actually recover it if you contact Nintendo. So never give oh, up. Who doesn't really want to do that? If you really care, I heard Brian lost his. I got to tell him about this. I, I bet oh, he can Brian lost it. his island. Oh, yeah. just a nightmare. With, he, he put the uh, micro SD card in the new switch and then overrode it. Blah, blah, blah. But, but it's, I think it's still there. I think it's still on the system. Um, but but um, yeah, I just transferred it. I went back in. I killed all the cockroaches and pulled the weed. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, I walked in my house and I'm like. I, I don't feel motivated getting more things from my house because I don't want to change the rooms. They have a mm. certain theme and it's like your house, right? Like you, I don't want to buy a new shelf and move stuff around. I'm too lazy. And so the island stuff and the work additions in the DLC, that is going to get me interested again because now you got new canvas. You have new houses to decorate. You've got missions, right? People mm-hmm. tell you specifically what they want. The idea of building a restaurant or a school, all of that stuff sounds really cool. So I'm definitely going to play that. Again. Yeah, They have like, let's go ahead, Seth. I was just going to say, that's a perfect segue to talk about the paid DLC, which is the, uh, and I've lost, it's happy home paradise with an exclamation point. Stylistically, you have to put that in there. It just makes you happy. But you were going to say cat. I was going to say that this feels like they're cramming two years worth of content drops into one, two mega drops. This is all the stuff that we've been waiting for them to release since pretty much the launch of Animal Crossing that we've been waiting for. I put like 500 hours into my island and I adore my island, but I also feel like at some at this point, it's completely built out. My house is completely built out. I have all of the islanders that I want. And I popped in. Uh, I popped in after I got my Switch OLED, and I put out all my Halloween decorations. Nice. And I'm <laughs> enjoying every. I'm enjoying my island again. But I am so pumped to have this DLC in here because, like, stuff like hanging plants for my arboretum in my house, I'm very excited about and everything. Um, I'm actually a little bit less excited about the paid island subscription because I don't necessarily care about the the very gamey challenges and everything. Mm. I see my house is more of a, I see my island is more of a terrarium where I go in and I go hang out with my animal buddies and maybe prune some of the plants and put out various decorations. But for people who are looking for a more directed experience, I can see why this paid ex- expansion would be pretty exciting. Regardless, I'm going to get both because I want all of the Animal Crossing <laughs> content. I'm ready. Yeah. See, that's it's definitely different player types, right? Like I, I tend to gravitate towards games where I explore or I follow missions, right? Like I love mm-hmm. the Assassin's Creed, you know, Horizon, uh, Zelda games where you meet a character and they tell you to do something and get it for you. And like somehow I don't tire even of the most menial fetch quests. And so with a game like Animal Crossing, I enjoy it. I, I think I'm under 200 hours. I'm not as crazy as you. Um, <laughs> Both of you, by the way, I like that you kept that 600 hours and and let Taylor have her spotlight for a second. That is insane. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's like I need I need someone to give me some sort of mission because otherwise mm. I don't feel motivated to change anything about my house because I always feel like I'm like, I'm cool with what I got and I don't want to mess with it. I'll hang some lamps from the ceiling. That's cool. But like, I don't yes. want to change. The, I don't want to change the rooms. I'm, I think that it actually kind of reminds me a little bit of how Stardew Valley has approached things because earlier this year, Stardew Valley put out a, its own 
massive expansion. And the new island that they had was very directed in its own way with lots of exploration and kind of game year elements. And so it's sort of in its own way, it feels like Animal Crossing is hitting the similar beats, I think, with its paid expansion. Yeah. I want to ask real quick, how long has it been since you last played Taylor? Uh, a couple of weeks ago. When okay. Actually, when I was reviewing the Switch OLED. Oh, nice. I was trying to transfer oh. my save data. <laughs> and I, look, I, I was like talking about it in Slack, and I was like, I was like, yeah, it was pretty easy for me. I didn't have any issues with it. And then I was seeing everybody else like stressing out about it. I was like, wait, is it really that hard? <laughs> It is a so little complex. Like, yeah. It's not as I easy as you would think for forty nine ninety nine a year, but I hadn't played in six months and Freya, my wolf girl, was guilting me about it and saying, You haven't talked to me in six months. We live on the same island. Jeez. I'm like, Oh my god, I I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I got that. I got that too. Yeah. And then what the last thing I did, I, I kept planting money trees uh, uh, across my island's entire bottom half. So mm. one money tree next to the other. So I just got back in and it's literally like every tree has money bags oh, in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I can't see. I don't, I don't Roll it shells. It looks, it looks too, it looks too perfect. I don't want to shake them. I, I, uh, I started it up today during the direct because I haven't played it. And I can't remember how long, but I do know that I still have uh, bunny eggs in my inventory. That's how long ago <laughs> it has been. Oh my gosh. And I Are we talking about when this launch bunny expansion? The yeah. launch event? Oh my yeah. gosh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like last year? Oh, oh. Yeah, gosh. it's been a long wow. time. I also, I was like, why did I name my island Erangal? And I was like, oh, that's right. I used to be really into PUBG. And that's the name of the first <laughs> wow. And I was like, oh, that was uh, incredible. Something <laughs> named after your namesake, like mine's Taytopia. Oh, oh, nice. Uh, mine is <laughs> Hamtown, which is named after my poor departed kitty cat, Hamish. Oh. R.I.P. Yeah. I have, I have a serial killer room that's all of the Easter furniture and uh. Uh, wallpaper and everything. It's very frightening. <laughs> yeah, so my, scary. My living room is all the trash that you can have. So when I walked into yep. those cockroaches, I'm like, well, why even squash them? They bring ambient. Yeah. Oh, God, Seth, you're doing yeah. the, uh, the the landfill room, stressing the heck me the heck out. I'm going to get rid of it because uh. it, 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 got, it makes like a squishing sound when you walk across it. But anyway, uh. uh, let's move from Animal Crossing to something also adorable, which is Pokemon. Cat did an absolutely wonderful Pokemon uh, preview of Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, or did I get that backwards? It's Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, yeah. Yeah, all right. Um, Cat. Could you please tell us about your preview experience? And by, before I say that, after CAD gets done, go read preview because it's wonderful. Oh, thank you. So first thing I should say is that I have a lot of history with Diamond and Pearl. It was the game, it was a generation that came out while I was living in Japan. So I still have a lot of uh, affection for that particular generation. And But when the remakes were announced, I was a little bemused by them because I was going, well, I thought it was going to be more like Sword and Shield. I thought it was going to be a full-blown remake sort of how Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire was ha handled and instead it was much more of a throwback so I was going I don't know this feels like kind of a budget remake but seeing the kind of 30 40 minute hands-off demo my first thought was wow I really missed this kind of feel for Pokemon the more overhead view lots mm -hmm. of content right out of the box with the super contests and everything it felt like a very classic old school Pokemon vibe without being too much of a throwback. It still has a number of quality of life improvements, which I really appreciate it. It even brings back the soundtrack, which I definitely missed when it came to Pokemon Diamond and Pearl. I think sneakily, Pokemon 
Diamond and Pearl had one of the best vibes of any Pokemon game. There was a kind of a vaguely menacing aspect to Diamond and Pearl that I really appreciated that seems to have translated pretty well to Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Unfortunately, all of the discourse, because this is a discourse direct, was around the experience share. The fact that you can't turn it off. People went on to full blow. As soon as Nintendo said that, they were like, oh yeah, I can't turn it off. I was like, oh no, this is going to be all the discourse. And sure enough, people are mad. (laughs) I'm a casual Pokemon player, so I don't understand. Could maybe you explain why, uh, what People are so upset about not being it's, able to shut that off. I think people just want to have the option and they oh, want okay, to be able to, yeah. uh, they want all of the experience to go to one Pokemon. They don't have to want to have to worry about how the experience is being distributed between individual monsters. They just want, and there are other people who just want the challenge, right? They want sure. to be able to go back to a true old school experience where they, they are and grinding and grinding. Personally, I like the experience share. I would like to be able to just use it to easily level up my Pokemon. I thought that was a good solution in general for keeping my party relatively balanced. But there are plenty of people who want the ability to turn it off. And you know what? I'll be honest. It is actually kind of a baffling decision by Nintendo. Why would you not include the the top experience share? I do not know. It's kind of unfortunate that this is overshadowing what seems like actually a really good remake. I really love the way that they're handling the grand grand underground, the, the individual biomes, Pokemon, the unique Pokemon. I'm so happy to have the super contest in there. I'm that you can cuss your character. But most of all, like it just feels like it classic Pokemon. So nice. I'm I'm I think more optimistic about Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl than I was going into this uh, experience share notwithstanding. Excellent. Which uh who's your starter? Oh, Chimchar, my my pal. Yes. Torchic yeah. is my natural Torchic. enemy because Torchic has overshadowed Chimchar for so long. It's like Infernape, my pal. Who doesn't like? Look, there's Chimchar right there, as if there you as go. If by magic, little oh, monkey time. butt, little fire butt, <laughs> butt so monkey good. right there. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor, what do you have any history with the with these these games at all? These yeah, particular? I mean, I've been. Yeah, I actually have a lot. Uh, I'm pretty sure out of, because uh, I played the first four uh, generation of Pokemon games before I like took a break and I skipped uh, Gen 5 and Gen 6. Uh, but, and then I got back in Gen like 7. But uh, I really played a lot of Gen 4. I loved it so much. I remember back when like my, my twin brother was actually playing Nintendo games as well. And he had Pearl, I had Diamond. And I spent so many hours just like trying to find every nook and cranny inside of just diamond and i remember at one point i was helping my brother i was playing his game safe because he was having <laughs> troubles with like certain gym battles and then he was especially having problems with trying to beat cynthia and that garchomp so oh, i'm really excited <laughs> it's Gar- such an ongoing meme i keep thinking about this tiktok i saw where somebody was making fun about the fact about how difficult cynthia's garchomp was and i just i every time i see like cynthia's picture i just keep thinking about that meme but uh i'm really excited when they announced them i I was screaming from the top of the roof because yeah. how many years have we been asking for these Gen 4 remakes? And I'm not gonna lie, I was I was a little shocked. I thought they were gonna like what Kat said, I thought they were gonna take like the Pokemon sword and shield approach and make it kind of like that. Mm. But it, it said we got this, and I was a little kind of like, what at first? But 
like reading cat's preview and then like looking at more like gameplay and like trailers of it i feel a lot more confident and a lot more excited of playing both the games i mean i pre-ordered the double pack i i really oh wow. there you go like, awesome. <laughs> so yeah let me shell out over a hundred dollars for these because i i've been complaining that i want a gen 4 remake so i was like all right i'm gonna walk the talk and be like i'm gonna show you how excited i am because i want to play both of them so nice wow. hey do you have any history with this particular generation of yeah yeah no i i i put uh i put significant hours into it but I, I don't think i did i finish it i probably did but um i i'm i still you know i fondly recall the old original old school days of, of playing pokemon yellow and all of that and i for me i was never able to recapture that uh that passion for the franchise mm. because it felt like it was more iterative than you know like reinventing what the games were about, but like I really appreciate them. I will. It depends on how much time I have. Like if a lot of games come out and I don't have time to play it, <laughs> no game ignore it in November. So don't even worry about I it. No, I know, but there the isn't. But there isn't. But there isn't like this giant game, right? Like if like a breath of a breath of the oh, wild yeah, two or like a, a Horizon the sequel would come out, then I wouldn't play it. But I might find some time to go back in. The secret yeah. to understanding Pokemon is that it was a live service game before live service games really came about. Yeah. One of the reasons that people were so mad about Pokemon Sword and Shield not having the full Pokedex was that their secret strength was that they were a living game. You transferred your Pokemon from game to game to game, and it felt like there was a real continuity to it. So when yeah. you say, like, oh, it's iterative, it's like not, it's not completely changing everything from generation to generation, that's why. It's because it is actually... In effect, each new Pokemon generation is sort of a content drop, almost like Final Fantasy XIV with each successive yeah. expansion. Yeah, I think that's really smart. Um, and and it's funny, like I am, I do get annoyed at the po Pokemon <laughs> franchise for making me redo the things that I've done before. Like <laughs> me I too. I, I, yeah. I, I cringe when I get my Pokemon. I leave the house and whatever professor calls me back. And it's like you've done this so many times. Stop doing it. Right? Like it's a, it's the it, it's the kind of repetition. Uh, whereas, like we can talk about Metroid Dread later. Like I'm not annoyed at getting the same upgrades again that I already got in Super Metroid. So I don't know. I, I guess I'm a hypocrite. I think yeah. final note that I want to throw in really quickly. Uh, Diamond and Pearl was secretly my favorite competitive meta game because even though it was kind of unbalanced, Garchomp was way too strong. They did a lot to change it up. They did the thing where they split up the way special attacks work and attack and special attacks work. So they made the actual typings way more balanced. And also they introduced things like U-turn. And so they you had this situation where you would have a character, um, oh God, what was it called? Um, I don't know. They changed a lot about the metagame in ways that I really had fun with. And then in years later years, there was a lot of power creep. They introduced a lot of feature creep in terms of the Gigantamax forms and the mega evolutions and diamond and pearl was kind of pre that and so i look forward to before pokemon home comes into the equation we actually don't know how this is going to tie into pokemon home whether or not we can bring say sword and shield characters into brilliant diamond and shining pearl but i'm kind of looking forward to playing classic pokemon diamond competitive because that was kind of my heyday as a competitive player nice yeah i read your preview and i, I never played this generation the only Pokemon game I ever beat was Blue, and I did I did, didn't do that until the Wii U. But uh, if it is has that old school feel, like I'm I'm all I'm all in. I want to grind around. <laughs> I love to just I love grinding. Okay, what can I bring say? back the Pokemon uh, the theme park? And I, for some reason I'm completely blanking on the actual name, but it was in Pokemon Platinum. 
I'm really praying they bring it back, but they haven't confirmed it yet. Nintendo, bring back you, that post game content. You need to make people happy, so confirm mm-hmm. the uh, the theme park is back. All right, mm-hmm. that was uh, Cat's Pokemon preview, but now we have a new segment, a very exciting segment. This is Cat takes, and this is where Cat takes her uh, her nuclear detonating take that she would normally have put on social media and brings it to us instead. And then when it's done, we rate it uh, on the uh, scale of Taco Bell uh, salt. That's that's not. (laughs) Yes, this is the discourse. This is the discourse direct for Nintendo voice chat, but this is my take for this week. I was dead wrong about Metroid dread. I was really kind of skeptical actually going into it with the, my preview. I was thinking a lot about Samus returns and going like, I don't know about Mercury steam. I don't know about this particular action based feel with Metroid. It feels too different from super Metroid. I don't know if this is the direction that I wanted to go. And actually having played a few hours of Metroid dread at this point, I was completely wrong. The atmosphere is amazing. The graphics are quite beautiful, especially on the Switch OLED. The boss battles are inspired and so much fun to play. And Samus herself, the way that she moves, the controls in this game are so gosh darn tight. It is just an absolute joy to play. And it doesn't ever feel like it has a slow moment. Like one of the reasons that I consider Super Metroid probably the best game ever made is that the design is so tight. Yeah, you could beat mm-hmm. it in just a few hours, but it is such a full few hours that you just want to go back to it over and over again. And I never thought that another Metroid game would be able to capture that. And Metroid Dread might have done that. And it's also true to the history of the Metroid series in the way that speed, uh, in the way that you can sequence break and the way that it caters to speedrunners, It's great. Now, here's the thing that I want to touch on. Let's stop with the $60 discourse, please. Ooh. When this game came out and people were going, here's my $60 game, stop that. You are devaluing the way that we talk about games. We have a very skewed perception of how much games are actually worth because of the way that Steam sales and things are handled. Stop that. It turns out video games cost an immense amount of money and labor to make. We have consistently devalued the time and effort to make games to the point that developers, large and small, are living on the very edge of being able to survive. Metroid Dread is a potential game of the year contender. It is a magnificently well-made game, and it is worth every single dollar that you put into it. Let them be able to enjoy the fruits of their labor. Wow. I know I said well, I was they- joking about Taco Bell, but that was that was a Diablo spice. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody get Baja Bless. <laughs> that that was great, Cat. And I, I was I was hoping you'd have the same take on on Metro Dread that I have. I um, you know, as as I kept watching the trailers, I was getting more excited for it, but there was always this lingering worry that um, you know, th- there would be moments that would disrupt that classic Metroid uh, exploration gameplay that it would be too handholdy and constantly put a marker on the map to tell you where to go or that the counter system would slow down the combat. And then, of course, I was worried about the kind of modern take on the SAX, like the, you know, the Emmys, like slowing down or, or making the game kind of like too annoying that you're constantly on the run. And all of the, I, I was wrong. Like the the game is awesome. I'm on the final boss battle. I gave up last night because it was really hard, right? Oh my god! It's Brutal. just. Uh, but but here's the thing about this game. Like, um, 
The design is wonderful. It does not hold your hand. And, I, and I've seen some people complain about that where they're like, they don't know where to go next. And the solution is to look at your map. Yeah. Think about the powers you have now versus the last time you came to an area and, th and, and go for the collectibles because the collectibles that appear on the map that you couldn't get are actually a guiding, uh, like a guiding light. Like so you'll go for an energy tank, but in doing so you uncover another area or it triggers an event where maybe something changes about the map. It's just really wonderfully designed. It can be frustrating. The Emmys are tough. Encountering an <laughs> Emmy, when you do it, it feels good, but it's incredibly difficult, especially underwater. But man, the sequences are so tense. Yeah. And when you have your revenge and you kill and you take down an Emmy with an Omega Blaster thing, it's just so satisfying. It's like, you know, you, you're hunted the whole time. You hate that thing. And then you shoot that shield off. Mm. And the way the developers also remind you how to use the mega blaster by having you escape the room by having to use it and remind you of the controls so well designed like incredible incredible game yeah uh, i mean we yeah. might as well just go right into what we've been playing then because <laughs> i uh have been playing metroid dread and i agree with everything that you've both said about it this is prob this might be my game of the year um I beat it this morning. I was having a similar problem pair last night where uh, I was on the last boss and I was like, Ooh. you know, I, I haven't done this since I was a teenager, but I actually threw my controller down. <laughs> frustration. And then I remembered that I, my floors are underneath a concrete slab and I probably shouldn't have done that with my $70 pro controller. But anyway, this morning I beat it and it felt absolutely fantastic. Everything about this game. I just, I love, uh, I just love everything about it. And I was, originally kind of like yeah i wasn't sure if they were going to pull it off the first sort of video that we saw of it it looked kind of empty it looked more like somebody was like a fan version of a, of a metroid game and uh boy oh boy it, it feels fantastic and yeah i think sam said in his, his review that this has the best boss battles of any metroid and i definitely agree so even if the last boss is uh almost not fun it's once you figure it out man boy then you feel real real good but, but see, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, you know, I get to phase two of the boss. We're not going to spoil what the battle is, but like I get to phase two and then I just, I get sloppy and I get yeah. killed. And in the end, I'm like, I'm mad at myself more than at the boss because yeah. what happens in this game, every time you meet a boss, you're, you're being attacked and you may die trying to figure out, you know, how do I get some of my energy back? How do I counter? What what attacks do I counter? And like, there's some logic to it. There's color coding to what projectiles you can destroy. You know, there's a difference between blue and red in this game that that is very obvious. And like, and so you learn how to counter the bosses. And like, I can honestly say, like, the first couple of bosses I struggled with, if I went back now, I'd beat them in one try oh, yeah. without dying. Mm -hmm. Because you really, you learn the patterns. It's like a throwback to the classic days oh, of so metro very games old school and, yeah. yeah and then the secret the sequence breaking they deliberately put sequence <laughs> breaking into the game that most players will never know right like if like this is a minor spoiler but there's a boss where if you have a certain item that most players don't have at that point you can beat that boss in a different way and yeah. there are custom animations <laughs> around it like, it's just it's so good it really got Metroid with this one. One of the things yeah. I like the most about the boss battles is that uh, I was where there's different sequences. I'd be like, well, if I have, you know, almost full energy when I get to this last sequence, I'll be able to beat it. But it's like, no, you cannot cheese these bosses. You can't just go in no. there with full energy and just hope that, mm -hmm. you know, you, you can outlast their attacks. <laughs> you have to 
learn to beat the boss. And I think that's phenomenal. And it feels so good when you do my God this morning, when I beat the <laughs> final boss, I just, I felt, I, I apologize to my controller and I wiped a tear from my <laughs> eyes, but, uh, yeah. Your controller forgives you, Seth. I, <laughs> no, I hope it does. It still works. So that's, that is good. So, uh, uh, pretty bold by uh, Mercury Stream and Nintendo to make Metroid Dread as challenging as it ended up being. And I, mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Um, I like a, a classic old school challenge. One of the things uh, people were saying that they got frustrated because they got lost. I actually think that Metroid Dread does an incredible job of kind of subtly signposting where you're supposed to go next. Even though the map is gigantic, I always, I kind of feel like the game is quietly sort of directing me in the right place. Usually, once you get a new power-up, the ability to use that power-up is like right there. I actually think that the map is phenomenally well-constructed, all things considered. Ah, The more I think about it, the more I love it. Did you guys see? So David Jaffe, who created the original yeah. God of War, posted a, a hot take, uh, and you know he's 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 got a point. Basically, he's saying there's an area where you're in a room, and the game does not give you a hint as to what walls are breakable, right? And so a lot of fans got upset at him. Like what he's saying is is correct, right? He like says a at lot the very things- beginning of the game when you're in a new room, shoot everywhere oh, and you'll I, find. I, anyway, I, I'll, I'll get to that. But like the the point is like he's saying a lot of modern games give you a hint, like even the Zelda franchise has cracks in the walls to let you know when you can bomb a wall and when you can't. However, I will say some of the smartest games also break that and they make a they make a discovery when and when you discover something special make you feel really good about it. There are areas in Zelda games that are not marked with a crack where you know a sound effect will give away that you can destroy something yeah. or a rumble or something. Right. Mm -hmm. And what Metroid Dread does, it tells you, hey, if you ever stock shoot the walls because, you know, something may break, it basically tells you that the environment can be destroyed. And it is a throwback to Super Metroid, where there is, of course, that pipe that nothing tells you that it can be broken other than it's made out of glass. Right. Right. And and when you and you inevitably discover that you can destroy it, and it's such a freaking awesome oh moment. Mm. And I felt this same way. Like that's why I'm not annoyed about the game not handholding that you can destroy an area because there are always little enemies placed around. You're shooting the enemy, and you discover, oh yeah, God, there's a hole there. Or you're firing a missile, and it shows you how a block can be destroyed. And then, of course, there are upgrades later that let you find secrets, too. So, you know, David, if you didn't get far enough, play a little farther. You will be able yeah. to discover all those secrets, right? I'll throw out I, the baby told, with the bathwater. I mean, almost, I just, almost from yeah, the... I disagree. Yeah, almost from the start, the game is kind of encouraging you to try shooting blocks, right? Mm-hmm. It puts you in that it. mindset. It does habit-forming things to be like, here's the tools in your toolbox to be able to navigate our world. Because almost right from the start, it's encouraging you to shoot uh, invisible blocks. And so whenever I would come to a dead end or something, I would just automatically start shooting around to be like, okay, are there any invisible blocks here? Mm -hmm. And, yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a tricky game element, right? If like if you think of um, there there are games like big RPGs, like take a Fallout, um, for example, where you can pick up every item you see, right? There's shelves full of objects, and in the beginning, you're like, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take this, 
And you find out like you have no use for a fork or, you know, like for these objects. And the game teaches you over time. It's like something looks like a regular household item. Just don't pick it up. Right. <laughs> and it can be very frustrating when a game is so heavy on checking every room for secrets that it slows down the game. And I actually yeah. think Metroid Prime, the scanning wasn't entirely successful because mm. it broke some of the flow because you constantly go into scan mode. And I don't think this game does that because no. you can freely run around and fire weapons. You can drop some bombs while you're rolling. And it's just kind of like this, this fun occupation while you're exploring. It's like, it's like doing triple jumps in Mario when you're exploring. You don't have to do it, but it gives you something to do. And in Metroid, there's the reward <laughs> that you'll find hidden blocks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just watching the footage. I'm like, man, I just want to start playing again. But, so, don't don't get mad at David Jaffe, right? Like, no, he has no, no, no. a he has a point about game design, but like, he is missing the point about how this game actually teaches you to find secrets. And yeah. you know, so I I disagree with him, but you know, whatever. Hey, that's that's the internet for you there. Uh, yep. Taylor, what have you been playing, real quick? Uh, yes, yeah, so I've been, you know, playing through Metroid Dread. A couple other things, too, because, uh, but I'm also playing a game for review. I can't talk about it. I'm oh, classic <laughs> podcast move right there. But, uh, yeah, so that's, like, the main game I've been playing. But I've also been uh, playing through Metroid Dread because it's really good. And I like the challenge it brings. And oh, even yeah. though it's so frustrating, like, it feels like a horror movie at times. Just yeah. because, especially with, like, the Emmy encounters. And, like, especially when you're trying to, like, kill one and it's, like, slowly creeping up on you i was like that's like some mad terminator vibes there but yeah that's that's what i'm playing <laughs> excellent all right question block we have time for one question this is from christian bruno other than the obvious zelda items slash furniture and metroid items slash and metroid at items slash furniture that should should release soon to animal crossing what nintendo ip would you like to see <laughs> represented in animal crossing now uh, i don't have an answer prepared for this other than i'm going to say of course donkey kong 64 because why wouldn't you want <laughs> some of those blocky bananas to be swirling around inside your house but uh bonus here, i have a I, I have a bonus cat take right oh, here. oh here we go oh <laughs> here we go i don't want freaking other nintendo ips in my animal crossing oh. animal crossing is a distinct thing and the way that i build my island is to make it feel like a real lived in place it is okay. a alternate world that i can go and visit and hang out with my animal buddies and so when I put freaking number uh, coin blocks into my game or Metroid furniture or whatever, I get kind of annoyed because it is breaking the immersion of what I'm wow. getting out of Animal Crossing. So when the that Mario stuff really came cool. in, I was like, that's not content. I don't want this. So <laughs> That's not canon. Wow. <laughs> you no. you clearly don't have any Samus furniture in your house. Absolutely any, not. No. You know, Oh, wow. probably has a giant Snorlax couch. And if they had like relate to this, if they had Pokemon like plushies that I could put in my Animal Crossing cool. house, that would be fine. Okay, right. but like right. in terms of you know the, the flag from Mario, absolutely not. But you know, I know people play this game differently than me. There are people who go for crazy bonker themes with Animal Crossing, and that's going to definitely play to them. But as for me, no, I'm I'm going for the immersion here. All right. I, well, I, I, unfortunately, I, I, I'm going to have to cut you off because uh, we have run out of time for this week. <sighs> so I want to thank Taylor, Pear, and Kat for bringing all the discourse to Nintendo Voice Chat today. I want to thank Logan and uh, Red behind the scenes. That is all the time we have left. If you have your own questions, please submit them to NBC at IGN.com or our question block uh, on post on Nintendo Voice Chat podcast forums. Woo! What a mouthful. Thank you so much for watching and listening. And remember, NBC is the only place where you 
can. It's a thing. It's a thing. thing. It's a thing. (laughs) Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.